and welcome to Mind Body Greens Beauty Podcast Clean Beauty School. I'm Mind Body Greens Beauty Director Alexandra Engler. Today we are discussing heat styling trends and habits. Additionally, we are talking about how to make sure your hair health is top of mind when you are styling and how to find tools that are better for you and the hair fiber. To do so, we are actually not talking with a hairstylist, we are chatting with an engineer. Sandra Lepp is the engineering manager of Hair Care at Dyson. You might know Dyson for their collection of high-tech, innovative products around the house, from fans to vacuum cleaners. Well, as beauty fans know, they are also the masters of hair care tools. First introducing their hair dryer several years ago to the TikTok famous air wrap and the most recent addition to the lineup, their straightener. If you have any curiosities about global styling trends, how to keep the hair fiber healthy if you decide to heat style, and more, this is a must listen. Sandra, welcome. Hi, thank you. Well, I am such a Dyson fan. I use Dyson personally, and I often sing the praises of your hair care tools. So this is going to be a great conversation for myself and any Dyson fans out there, I'm sure, as well. But, you know, I I always love to start these conversations by letting our audience get to know the guest a little bit better. What is your background and journey into engineering? And then, you know, even more specifically, engineering beauty tools. Of course. So, hello everyone. My name is Sandra Loop, and I'm currently an engineering manager at Dyson. I work in the hair care team in um, a team that's called New Product Development, um, which means that we're designing new and exciting products. So, my background is in product design. So, I studied a bachelor's in product design. After graduating, I felt that I wanted to go into a bit more like technical field. Just I, I was already quite good from a you know, user-centered design point of view and design methods, but I felt like I really wanted to get into the um, deep of engineering knowledge. And so I studied a master's degree in um, design engineering. And in general, during my whole studies, so bachelor's and master's, I was really, really fascinated by the relationship between technology, innovation, and how user interacts with this and how, how technology and innovation can really solve these kind of everyday problems. So I joined Dyson seven years ago. And since I've joined, I've always only worked on hair care products it's been um, quite a fascinating journey actually question about how did i how did i end up working on beauty products it's almost like by chance yeah. or i was lucky i guess i joined dyson knowing that i was going to work on what they called at that point new categories so we hadn't yet launched any hair care products no one actually knew that we were working on that so at that point Dyson was very famous for their floor care products and for the environmental care so fans heaters but no one knew that kind of secretly we were working on hair care products I was just told that we're going to work on something new and exciting and different category and um, as a new graduate that just sounded very exciting and fun so I was like yeah sure I'm in well I remember when Dyson's PR team sent out a very cryptic email to a bunch of beauty editors many, many years ago saying, you know, we have some innovations and please come to this very top secret meeting. And then, you know, obviously it was the launch of the hairdryer and the rest is history, as they say. So it's, it was, I remember it being very top secret even then, but that's, that's a great journey into the industry. And, you know, I, I am curious, even just on a personal level, 
have you always been interested in beauty or hair care or just, you know, even even skincare or anything like that in a broader way? Or it, was it something that didn't even cross your interest at all until you started working on hair care specifically? Yeah, that's a good question. So actually, I, I, I'm always quite a firm believer when it comes to natural beauty. So mm-hmm. I, for me, it's a bit less is more when it comes to beauty and also when it comes to beauty routines. So I wasn't particularly interested in hair care, but when I joined Dyson, it just felt like the, our approach to hair care. So the fact that in general, whenever we're looking at hair care products, we're talking about hair health. So we're not only talking about, you know, changing the state of the hair and making more beautiful and enhancing style. We're, we're talking about achieving these amazing styles while maintaining hair health. I personally don't style my hair too much. Again, it's a bit of a less is more kind of approach. <laughs> it was really interesting to learn a lot about the world of beauty, the world of hair care, all the variety of styling tools and techniques that are out there, as well as the fundamentals of hair care, more from a hair science and hair morphology point of view. And that was a great challenge for me personally and for the team because we were entering such a new world and as usual at Dyson we want to do things really well so it was it was funny because we had a very engineering approach at something that is extremely personal and subjective we started by making sure that we're understanding everything about hair science hair morphology as well as about our users techniques you know global perception of hair care it was all so much to take in really and um, that's such an exciting journey to be part of yeah you know You guys are obviously known for creating innovative solutions for common problems. You guys have tackled that in various categories. And you're obviously known for thinking outside of the box and making products that don't necessarily look or operate like their competitors. And I'm just curious, you know, what sort of gaps in the market were you guys seeing with hair care tools specifically? What was the broader thinking about entering that category? So actually, there were quite a few gaps in the market that we could see. So yep. starting at, at that point, so about seven years ago, Dyson had great expertise in a number of technologies, right? So we were like really good when it comes to airflow, airflow manipulation, acoustics, you know, battery storage, all of these things. So we, we had a really great technical and innovative background already. And we started looking like, okay, in, in this world and the problems that we have and that you know, consumers all over the world, they have problems, all kinds of products. Where could we integrate these technologies? And it felt that the world of beauty, although it's such, you know, there's so many big players, big companies in, in hair care out there. Actually, if you look at their products, from a simple, like, you know, engineering and technology point of view, those products haven't actually changed in 50 years. You know, if we take yeah. the hair dryer, for example, all the hair dryers, you know, conventional hair dryers, especially looking at the market six years ago, they're very basic. Actually, they have a big chunky motor that's always placed, you know, at that top of the product. They have a big heater that's placed there. Then they have a little handle that you're supposed to hold all of that big mass of technology. It's heavy, they're heavy, they're bulky, they're loud, they're not very easy to use. And then we looked at that and we said, okay, well, we have this this little motor that is tiny, but it's extremely powerful. So instead of having this big bulky product, we can actually place the motor in in the handle of the product. So a user can hold this nicely balanced and ergonomic product that has the whole weight in your hand. And this will open so many doors, right? It will make it easier to use. It will make it more ergonomic. Even with lower level of skill, you'll be able to achieve a better style just because it's lighter, it's quieter, it's more user-friendly. And then we, of course, we did a lot of research to understand what other frustrations are there and and hair damage was one of the big ones across yeah. all the different hair care ranges. Um, so that was another gap on the market. There were all of these tools already there that were not necessarily very easy to use, but they were also damaging the hair quite a lot. So 
we felt that our tools and our technologies and you know our, our ability to manipulate airflow so well would allow us to actually to to design tools that are are kinder to hair yeah it's it's also fascinating to get a peek behind the curtain of innovation just because I think the beauty industry is really good about making innovative small tweaks, but they're not great about making the broader outside of the box thinking, you know, and like basically starting from scratch and creating a, a new tools or new products or new formulations that, you know, are, aren't just adjustments on past iterations. And I think that was that's what was so exciting and revolutionary about um, Dyson entering the space that it really was this idea of like, okay, we're just, we're starting from the ground floor and we're building a product that meets consumer needs, not based on anything that is currently in the market. And I am assuming to do that, that takes a lot of research and that takes a lot of intel gathering on how women and men and, you know, and people of any, any gender use hair care tools and what their hair habits are. And, you know, that research process, I am sure, is wildly extensive. Am I correct in that? <laughs> Yes, definitely. And so we did start by doing a lot of extensive research. We still do that. We never yeah. stopped. We, we're still constantly learning because, of course, the trends, everything changes. So you have to continue with that. But about seven years ago, we, we really started by doing a lot of research in all our global markets. Obviously, our products are designed to, to be to be sold all over the world. So you need to make sure that you have a really good understanding of our consumers with a variety of hair types, a variety of behaviors and, you know, habits and practices in all our global markets. So, of course, there's so many learnings that I couldn't go through all of them now, but um, something that was really interesting for us, obviously we were a business focused on on floor care, environmental care. And in these fields, of course, you will see behavioral differences. Yeah. But Maybe they're not that massive. You know, in the end, we all want to clean our floors. We, on, we all want our floors to be clean. So although we may do it in a different way, our houses may look different in different places of the world. Still, the differences in users' behaviors are not that significant. Well, in hair care and yeah. in beauty, <laughs> it's a completely different story. So we found that, first of all, habits and practices between consumers with different hair types will be extremely different. And I'm sure that's no news to you. Obviously, depending on the hair type, the hair texture, you know, even in the same family, me or my sister could have a completely different behavior just because we have different hair types, different hair textures, different hair densities, and different style aspirations. So there's this variety that you really have to have a really good understanding when you're when you're designing. Then on the other hand, of course, perceptions based on different countries and different, you know, cultural differences. We saw a really big difference between Eastern and Western markets and from what they desire from a style point of view, as well as what they like from a, you know, from a product and technology point of view. So we were quite interested to see that in, in Eastern markets, for example, on a hairdryer in Eastern markets, they will tend to like more diffused, more gentle airflows, kind of kinder to the scalp. And, you know, there's this perception of kindness to the scalp where the airflow has to be kind of um, gentle and soft. And then you go to the Western markets where it's all about speed, efficiency, mm. fast airflow, controlled airflow, precise airflow. And all of this has to be delivered by a single machine, by one machine that has to cater for everyone. So that's a good challenge there, which we solved by having different attachments, for example. But we needed to have this understanding because we could have 
really failed if we didn't know that. Then perception of damage, that's another really interesting oh, one. Oh, fascinating. Um, Tell me more. <laughs> it's it's so different. At least a, a few years ago, I think now the whole world is getting better with that. But a few years ago, we found that in Eastern markets, um, consumers were a lot more concerned about hair damage and also a lot more aware of hair damage and kind of scalp health. It's something that they were, you, you know, you can even see in the products sold there. There's a lot more talk about scalp health that is, and they feel that there's a direct correlation between that. In Western markets, for a very long time, again, the focus was on precision and on efficiency, on, you know, achieving a style as fast as possible, as efficient as possible. And also, although people were quite aware that certain tools can damage your hair. What we were finding is that sometimes they were willing to compromise that just for getting that right style as fast as possible. I always think it's important to talk about the structure of the hair fiber when discussing damage as that can illustrate what's happening when you are using hot tools. A very simplified explanation is that the inside of your strand is called the cortex and the outside coating is called the cuticle. The cortex is made of keratin filaments that are held together by hydrogen bonds. The cuticle, on the other hand, is made of small, overlapping, shingle-like layers. When you are styling your hair, most of the damage happens to the cuticle, which makes sense because the cuticle is something of a buffering protective layer of the hair fiber. But you can also damage the cortex, which is notably more serious. When you are styling hair with too high a heat or too aggressively, you can break apart those hydrogen bonds that hold the keratin together. That is why it is so important to find gentle, lower heat methods of styling your hair. So that is quite an interesting um, approach. What we're finding now with the pandemic actually is that people are shifting from that. People have become, maybe during the pandemic, they've styled, they've been styling their hair a bit less. In many cases, they've been noticing that actually their hair is getting healthier just because it's being exposed to less heat. And they're starting to say, well, I have now this lovely, healthy hair after the pandemic. I want to keep it like that. And so I feel that the awareness on damage is becoming a lot more obvious now in the last year, which is really good to see. Yeah, I think these are just a few a few of the areas that we found interesting. And then, of course, a lot of focus on hair type, a lot of focus, you know, between straight, wavy, curly, coily hair, um, the different type of product ownership and product behaviors were very, very different. Sure. I'm sure there are so many different insights on that latter hair type point. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm curious, are there a few that really surprised you? Like, were there any findings that that stuck out to you? I'm just, you know, I'm so curious just because I think hair type is obviously, it, it is such a personal thing. And it's something that, you know, we talk a lot about here at Mind Body Green. And, you know, it's, it's, it's important to acknowledge the differences between people's hair types. So I'm curious mm -hmm. what, what findings surprised you? Yeah, I think as we were learning about, so we had two two kind of parallel um, streams of learning. So one of them is really focused on that user and consumer and behavior. And then the other one is focused on the hair science side. Yeah. So from a hair morphology point of view, understanding how different hair types function and how, you know, how damage affects differently, maybe other hair types. So what was quite interesting is that we found what we call type one, so straighter hair. So yeah. hair that, you know, if you dry it naturally, it will be straight. It tends to be the least prone to damage in a way, in a way the most resistant hair. And what was really interesting to learn is that actually what we call type 4 hair, so the naturally very curly, very coily hair, that is actually the most prone to damage and most prone to um, 
mechanical damage as well and that's because it has all of these natural coils natural kings each of those king is is a point where the hair could break so and the challenge is that consumers who type for hair tend to use extremely high temperatures to style their hair because it's also very hard to style if you want to take coily hair from from its natural state to a straight or smooth style consumers tend to think that they need to use really high temperatures and that's such a shame because that's actually the hair type that's most prone to damage that will get damaged easiest and it's it was really interesting to discover that and to see how can we integrate these learnings in in our products and how can we create tools and attachments for this hair type so they don't have to use these high temperatures i I have wavy curly hair, and so I use your guys' diffuser often. I'm assuming that oh, is something that <laughs> came out of this realization. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I think diffuser is such a such an interesting tool, and it's. I'm really happy that we're doing this type of attachments as well because it doesn't always have to be changing the hair state. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm all about natural beauty and about kind of enhancing your natural natural beauty and. Diffuser is a perfect example. You know, you have these users that have these amazing waves and curls and they want to enhance them. They want to maintain them. They don't necessarily want to always straighten them. So it's really nice to have an attachment that that helps to, that helps simulate that natural drying, but without the freeze, without the flyaways. So when we were working on the diffuser, a big part of that is talking with um, with consumers that have natural curls and waves and understanding what is it about your curls that you love, what you want to keep about them, and what is it about your curls that, that, that you want to improve. And it's always that I love my curls, but I don't really like the freeze or I don't really like having flyaways. And that's what when we were developing the diffuser, we, we put a lot of emphasis on this, on this kind of nice, diffused, very gentle airflow that dries the hair, simulating a natural drying process and minimizing the freeze and flyaways, which is something that consumers don't like. Yeah. Well, from someone who uses it, (laughs) I'd say you did a pretty good job. Yeah. So, you know, I want to get a little bit more into people's styling habits, you know, Mm -hmm. through your research and through talking with people who who do heat style. How often do people on average use hot tools to you find? I don't have an exact number just because there's such a big variety of users out there. But I find that let's think about for example, starting with Eastern markets, users tend to wash their hair every day and they tend to dry their hair in the evening, dry it every day. So that would mean you will be using a hair dryer. Of course, our hair dryer, the Dyson Supersonic, goes runs at quite low temperature, which means that it would never reach that damaging point for the hair. But that's not true for all the hair dryers out there. So drying your hair with the hair dryer counts as hot styling depending what what tool you're using we're seeing something similar in western markets people tend to either wash their hair every day and use a hair dryer even if they don't wash every day they tend to use other hot tools in between washes so you may have someone using a curling wand or curling iron or you know every other day which is quite a lot it's it, it does mean applying a lot of heat on the hair every day or every other day and of course, it will. It, if you are not using the right tools, it will really result in in a lot of thermal damage. And you know, we don't only have one single type of damage on our hair. So naturally, there will be some sort of mechanical damage that we all do. You know, just brushing your hair, sure, combing your hair every life. day. <laughs> um, 
exactly you have to do it then there's the you know other elements in in the atmosphere like sun you have uv damage we'll all have a bit of that so some of us will have chemical damage from you know coloring our hair or putting some highlights or something like that so just adding the thermal damage on top of all of this i feel like the thermal damage is one of the areas that we actually have control on you don't really have control about the sun damage your hair or you don't have that that much control about the breakage because you do have to once in a while brush your hair or comb your hair but the amount of temperature you're applying on your hair is one thing that we should all be able to control that's why i think it's really important that we are addressing that with our dyson styling tools yeah this is more of like a not necessarily a hard quantitative research question but more of like a qualitative research question but it's what are people's relationships to heat styling you know it seems like people have pretty strong relationships with their tools they do, yes, indeed. And especially, I feel like, as I said, before the pandemic, it was more, the relationship was a lot stronger. I feel that in the last two years, there has been a lot more awareness of uh, maybe not needing to use as much hot tools on your hair. But it was a lot about confidence. So very often, I part of my job is actually to talk to consumers, which is really interesting. I run, I run a lot of user studies and user trials globally. And very often, when they talk about hair, users describe that feeling of confidence so they style their hair it's such a personal experience and it's such a personal thing that they almost feel like many users feel like they can't go out of their house until Mm. they're satisfied with their hairstyle that's a really big deal because it means they are almost in a way addicted to their styling tools if they're not confident in, in you know going out into the world with um hair that you're not happy with um then in a way, you you really depend a lot on on styling tools that that help you achieve that confidence. Sure, I mean, just hearing that people, you know, they don't want to leave their house without using their hot tool. That's uh, that in and of itself is pretty an astounding learning. Hair obviously gives people so much in terms of you know how they view themselves. People do have this like really really profound connection to hair, whether they have long hair, whether they have no hair. You know, people. People really do have this strong connection. I find when I talk to people, I'm, I obviously you probably find that too. Yes, definitely. It's 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 really interesting, and it's really interesting how hair almost reflects someone's personality. Sure. Sometimes they they almost justify their the hairstyle that they've chosen, or if they've chosen to change their hair from natural to to a different shape, they almost justify that with how they feel, and that's really interesting. That is really interesting. So I want to talk about the science behind a few of the tools, specifically Dyson Straightener, because I know this is the newer product and I'm particularly interested in it because, you know, straightening your hair is notoriously hard on the hair fiber. Like it just is. In in the past, I know this to be true. I, I tend to be somebody who I don't necessarily recommend people to straighten their hair as often. Mm. I certainly don't straighten my hair a lot with some as somebody who has curly hair. So, you know, I'm so curious to learn more about this straightener and and what makes it different in terms of hair health. So let's start about like, I just, why don't we just start with a little bit of the development process? Because I, I think that's where, you know, a lot of the interesting learnings about all this stuff comes from. And what sort of challenges did you see with straighteners that you were like, we have to fix this? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, let's start with the beginning yeah. um, of the development of the coral. So, we we already had quite a good understanding of you know how people use hair dryers, how, how people use hot air styling brushes. We had um, supersonic. We had the air up on the market. So we started looking what are the other tools that are very popular and people use every day. And straighteners were were really there in the top, and that's globally people use straighteners everywhere for different kind of styles, but they are very popular in both Eastern and Western markets. So we set out to discover what what kind of styles can you create with straighteners? What kind of styles do users tend to do in different different places and why? Um, and what are really the issues that users find with straighteners? So as you said earlier, we for us doing research is really important. Insights from consumers are essential. So we, dis- we had this really massive user study and habits and practices study that was focused on the use of straighteners. And we found actually that the issues were really heavily linked to heat damage, which is no surprise. So straighteners on the whole, from a style point of view, they were actually managing to achieve in many cases, especially if we're talking about premium straighteners, they were managing to achieve what consumers wanted. Over a period of time, you can straight, you can get a nice straight smooth style, which is fine. But what the compromise the users would have to do for that really is their hair health. And this was our brief really for for designing the Corallers. How can we develop a straightener that is providing a great quality style, but without the need for extreme heat? So without having to compromise the performance, but also without having to compromise the the end style and the hair health. So that was the challenge there, because when you're talking about straighteners, the first thing you would think is high heat, right? Yeah, um, I mean, that's where my head a, goes. Well, yeah, and that, that's how it's been with conventional straighteners for, for so many years. So we started fundamentally, you know, in engineering, you start by looking what's out there and how how do you get fundamentally, what does a straight style need? How do you get a straight style? So what we found is actually conventional straighteners, they rely on two elements, on solid plates and very high heat. So what we found is that there's one element there that kind of conventional straighteners were missing, which is the element of control. So solid plates, they don't really control the hair very well. You know, you may have noticed when you're actually styling your own hair, if you if you use solid plates, you'd place your, you know, your hair section in between the plates and then the hair section would spread out and some of the hair may come out, which means that that hair doesn't really get styled. So you, what the consumer would do to compensate for that, they would just do another pass on the same hair section and then another pass to just make sure that they've captured all the hair. So what we actually found is that that element of control is essential in getting a good style. And what we found is that if you increase the control of the hair, you can decrease the temperature, actually. So that's how we developed, you know, the fundamental technology in the Dyson Coral, which is the flexing plates. So what we found is that the flexing plates are enabling us to style with less heat. They're adding more control to the hair, which means that you can use less heat to achieve that end style, which means that you'll have less damage, half the damage in our case. The, the other way that you just mentioned where they just keep on going over like passes and stuff, you know, so how do you how do you help people adjust to this new system where they do have more control? Yeah, well, it's it's a good question. It is, it is a change in behavior a bit. Some of it will come from education and some of it will come from really, you know, having the product, experiencing the product and learning what, what it can do for you. So in order to style hair, fundamentally, you need to have that put the corral, you have that control, the plate, the plates are controlling the hair, you don't need to do anything extra, you know, how some users sometimes use a brush or a comb to kind of, or the other hand to control and keep the hair in. 
Well, with the Coral, you don't really need to do that at all. So it's enough to experience the product and, and realize that actually with the Coral, you just need to do a nice, simple, controlled pass on your hair. Um, and you don't even actually need to apply so much force. You don't need to really clamp really hard. So how you would sometimes maybe do with conventional straighteners. Um, and my advice to people always is, you know, you you very often see um, users taking picking up a pair of straighteners and just putting in the top temperature and and going for it. And my advice, when if you have coral at home, try it at the lowest temperature first, because you may be actually very surpri- surprised on what it can achieve on your hair. So I think always try to start with the lowest temperature, see how happy would, you are with the result. You may find that for some hair types, you want to go to the mid temperature or the highest temperature, again, depending on your hair type, your hair density. But definitely for this kind of product, you have to let the technology work for you. And in the case of coral, the flexing plate is the technology that does a lot of the job for you. So so just have to give it a chance before yeah. putting the temperature, the temperature. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about these flexing plates. Yeah, definitely. So maybe let's start with describing what's the situation with conventional plates, yeah, right? Yeah. So if we think about the conventional straightener, they have two solid plates. Most of the hair will be in the center of the plates, right? That would be the bulk of the hair, which means that on the gaps on the sides of it, there will be some, some space left and the hair... Because you're pressing on two solid things, just imagine, you know, you're pressing upon pencils between two books. What will happen, you know, the pencil will just spread out and eventually some of them will come out. This is kind of what happens with hair between two solid plates. In order to compensate, you just have to apply more heat to achieve your style, meaning that your hair is exposed to, to excess heat. The flexing plates basically stop the hair from splaying out as you're styling. So that means that your the, whichever hair section you've, you've selected to, to, to pass your straighteners over, that hair section is going to stay in between the plates because the plates will kind of conform, adapt to the shape of your hair. So that means that the shape, the shape whatever hair section you've selected, it's being controlled throughout the pass and the tension, the tension that you're applying is being applied evenly across the whole section which enables you as a user to create the same style at lower temperatures, which means that you get less damage to your hair. Yeah. Does it make sense? It does. It's so fascinating. What was something that surprised you about either, you know, flat iron use or flat iron tools while you were developing this? Was there anything that that stuck out in your mind about, you know, this particular portion of the market? I think I didn't realize when, because I, I was actually not a user and I wasn't yeah. a straightener user when I started working on this, I didn't realize what a great variety of style you can achieve with this type of tools. Of course, with the right level of skill, you can create not just a straight style or a shape, you know, curls, waves, root lift, really everything you can imagine. And the amount, you know, the, the usage across the globe, it's, it's huge. It's, it's amazing how many people are using flat irons to create this very wide variety of um, styles. And the fact that they are really relying on this very high heat to, to achieve the end style. And that's why on the coral, that's why it was really important for us to have heat adjustments. So to be able to choose your temperature that you're working on, just because for certain styles, like for example, for my hair type, for most hairstyles that I would want to create, I would never need to go higher than the lowest, you know, the lowest heat setting. That would be absolutely enough for my hair type. However, if I have to curl, because I have quite naturally straight hair, if I want to curl or create waves, I may have to go to the mid temperature. So I think for me, that that was quite interesting to see the different hairstyles and how you may need to play with the temperatures a bit to to achieve what you needed. Um, However, what consumers tend to do 
you know, especially with conventional straighteners, they tend to put it at the top temperature and just keep it there. No matter what they're doing, if they're doing a full styling session or if they're just doing a little top up the next day, they always use the top temperature. And actually, you don't really need to do that. You have to be a bit mindful of what you're doing and also the effects on your hair. Sure. You know, it's funny you say mindful. I... I was about to say, you know, it does seem that there is like a little bit of like an intuition element with hairstyling that perhaps, you know, the users just were not thinking about as much. So it's, you know, so addressing it from this point of view of like, hey, like you, you have to think about, you know, these subtle nuances in the process is a fascinating approach, approach to this. I just, I, I love that you said mindful. So I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> We've talked a little bit earlier about just, you know, the differences in hair types and how and how that can have a, a broad effect on hot tools and hairstyling in general. And so I want to ask a little bit more about going from curly to straight and using the corral and, you know, what sort of what sort of things did you did you realize that you had to address specifically for curly hair when creating this straightener? So actually for curly hair, we we feel that the flexing plates, they, they do such a great job yeah. because of curly hair. We It actually needs even more control compared yeah. to, of course, like straighter or wavier hair. And we looked at consumers' behaviors and those who those who are able to get really nice straight styles, they generally have a, quite a lot of skill. And we noticed one thing, especially in when it comes to professionals, they don't know if you've ever seen that technique of um, using a comb next to your yeah. flat iron as you're running down the hair to control the hair. Well, actually, that's what the flexing plates do for the hair. You know, you don't need to use an, um, a comb or a brush or anything to control the hair. The flexing plates are doing that job. They're controlling nicely the edge of your hair section. And, of course, curly hair is sometimes more prone to freeze. To You know, when, when you're blow drying or even when you're straightening, freeze is something that, that many curly hair users experience. And the fact that our flexing plates are controlling the hair section so well, you know, they're lining the hair fibers, means that they are reducing the freeze, the flyaways and they are increasing that alignment and the shine and we did a lot of testing on type 3 and type 4 hair with the coral and the results were always really people were always really impressed and especially they were impressed with the fact that they could achieve a style that they were happy with at lower temperatures and another thing that i always want to tell to to curly hair consumers even if you style your hair let's say maybe your hair is really thick really coarse really curly and you do need that top temperature um but if you want to do a top up on your hairstyle, maybe a couple of days later, you don't actually need to go to a top temperature anymore. Just mm. try the low one or try the middle one. So again, going back to that, being mindful, be mindful of what you're doing to your hair and be mindful of for the style I'm creating today, do I actually need that top temperature? Maybe I don't actually. Yeah. You know, one thing that just keeps on coming up throughout this conversation is education is such a big factor in, in, in your products and, you know, why, why people in why you encourage people to use them and it and that element is as as somebody who is a beauty editor and does a lot of education as part of my <laughs> job and tries to educate the consumer i particularly mm -hmm. um uh, love that element of the brand so you know i'm curious what mm -hmm. what is that process like you know working with people to get them to understand that hey you're going to be using this different than <laughs> you would others or hey, this product is going to do X, Y, Z that is going to be different from the other tools on the market? Yes, well, it's it's an interesting question because it, 
it's quite challenging, you know, sure. when we're talking about hair care and especially any kind of personal care product, we are quite used to doing things in a certain way. And, um, you know, when you go to a consumer and say, look, you've been straightening your hair for 15 years in a way, now with our product, you're, ha- you're going to do it differently or it's going to be slightly different experience. It's quite a hard thing to, to explain and to sell. So we... We start always with our technology and we feel that science, you know, science and technology and innovation is at the heart of what we do at Dyson. And that's why in everything we do, we start with justifying our, you know, our products and everything with a very nice scientific background. So in terms of our hair care products, it's always the hair health. Hair health is, you know, having that understanding, first of all, understanding of hair, understanding of, you know, all the characteristics and the hair morphology, and then how does damage affect hair? And then kind of educating people, it's almost like taking them on the journey with you. Like, this is what hair is, this is what your hair is like, and this is why damage, um, you know, that's how you're damaging your hair with other conventional products. And this is why our products are less damaging because of different technology features. In, in, the, case of, in the case of Coral, we're talking about the plates, we're talking about the three precise heat settings, the intelligent thermal systems that ensures that the heat is accurate. All of these things is really explaining them and, and showing the benefits for the users. And I think if you have that really good explanation, a really good justification and narrative, um, then it's it's very easy afterwards to educate the consumers to, to slightly change their or adapt their behaviors. Yeah. You know, I do find that people are really typically pretty willing to change their habits as long as you just give them like an <laughs> adequate justification of, of why they need exactly. to. Like consumers are smart. I, I think sometimes in the beauty industry, we don't necessarily give the consumers enough credit um, for how intelligent they are. So, you know, the last things that I want to talk about is just how you take care of yourself. I know that you said you keep it very minimal. And as somebody who also keeps it minimal, I appreciate that. But, you know, are there any well-being habits or or hair care habits or skincare habits that, you know, you that you stick to every day, even if they are minimal, as you said? Yeah, definitely. I think when it comes to hair care, I I something that I've learned since I've been working in hair care is obviously don't apply too much heat on your hair. I only use Dyson products, so that's not that's not an issue. But in general, I don't I don't wash my hair very often. I used to wash my hair every day in the beginning, and then I kind of slowly changed. So now I wash it every two days or every three days, depending also if I'm styling or not. I, as I said, I don't also don't apply too much product on my hair. I feel that because my hair is quite fine and quite straight i feel that using any kind of product will just make it feel quite heavy and and greasy so i keep it simple i don't use too many products i don't style very often um i only use our dice products which are kind to the hair and when it comes to when it comes to other beauty routines skincare again i keep it quite simple i do feel like for me it's really important to feel like my skin is very clean so i do scrubs every every couple of days i start with kind of cleaning every evening and every morning and just applying moisturizer again morning and evening and that's about it of course if if we're talking about being in the sun i do use um, sunscreen that's that's quite important for me i keep it relatively simple too so i can appreciate a minimal routine that you know just focuses on on the health of the skin and hair that's something that i can certainly get behind I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming in today and talking about hot tools and hot tool habits and styling habits and 
you know, the, the ways that we can be doing this stuff better and how we can be treating our hair better. I think this was so fascinating. I find people's relationships with hairstyling to be so fascinating. So to learn all of the insights that you shared earlier and then, you know, educating us on how we can perhaps be doing it a little better was, was really great. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been great talking to you about this. Thank you again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked it, don't forget to rate and review us. And before we sign out, I just want to introduce a new feature that we are introducing to the pod. You can now submit all of your lingering beauty questions. All you have to do is drop in a voicemail and I'll answer it here on the pod. Whether you have a follow-up question about a specific episode or are just curious about an ingredient, routine, or product, we want to hear from you. Head over to sayhi.chat slash cleanbeautyschool to submit your questions. I will put that link in the show notes so you can click on it there. Once we get a few of them, our team will select a few to answer during a special Q&A segment, and you just might be featured on this pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and see you next week.